Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Rangers, a New York Rangers podcast presented by Blue York on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Johnny Lazarus, joined by my good friend and co-host, Cody Frankel. we got a great show for you today with Josh from Evolving Hockey. And before we get into anything, we do want to take a second to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. Football season might be over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B L E A V. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, with that being said, I want to send it over to my friend, Cody Frankel. Cody, what's going on, man? Not too much, man. How's the weekend been? All good? Weekend was good. Uh, you know, good Rangers win on Friday night. Got to watch most of that game. Didn't catch the end of it because I had a, a fun little dinner with some friends. But um, I saw you we, had too we, many drinks last night, bro. Had a, had a lot of drinks <laughs> last night. Had, had a good time. But also, it should be noted that Friday night, uh, the, Blue, the Blue York bet of the game extended to 5-0. and I know we're recording right now prior to the Winnipeg game. Tonight's Blue York bet of the game is no goals in the first 10 minutes of the game. And like I said last episode, for every single Ranger game, I'll be tweeting out uh, you know, my favorite bet on that game, sponsored by Blue York. People that want to join in the bet can you know, join the Discord channel, which you know, there's a link for it in every tweet. Um, but basically, you know, a lot of us in the Blue York Discord kind of discuss our favorite bet for the night, and we, uh, you know, all kind of ride it together. Right now, it's five and zero as we speak. So, um, you know, definitely look out for that on Twitter if you follow me. But how was your weekend? It was good. It was good. Uh, you know, also had some some drinks as well. Uh-huh. So had them flowing. Had a couple margs, and it was a good weekend all in all. And you know, I did want to start with that win against St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Listen, I think we played fifty seven. And 46 seconds of good hockey minus those, you know, that two minutes of 14 seconds, I think it was where uh, the period ended just in time. I feel like because they had three goals and it was just freaking brutal. Uh, I thought it was all in all pretty good. Whatever Gallant said to them at that intermission, you know, he really lighted a fire in them and I just thought it was pretty great. And yeah, I mean, that was St. Louis. And then, 
Did you catch the Devils Wait, game? Wait, before, before the St. Louis game ends, back-to-back weeks, dude, you've called a goal. You had Kreider, I know, I Kreider know. with the, the power play goal. Dude, I, I told uh, our buddy AJ, I was like, I'm going to start Cody's goal of the game. To, you should. To spin a, you should. A spinoff from your bet of the game. Yeah, it could fall under the same umbrella. You could have a, it could be I, like a player prop. Wait, yeah, but before, I mean, before you move on to the Devils game, though, I, I want to talk about, too, because we had Vince Mercagliano last week, and one of the things that Vince was talking about yeah. was Adam Fox working on his shot, and the game-winning goal in that Blues game comes from a one-timer from the point from Adam Fox. I mean, obviously, you know, it was more of like a shot pass, but like like Vince was saying, if Adam gets, you know, a, a strong shot or works on his shot, he only becomes even more of a threat. Right now, teams that play him kind of know he's not a uh, shoot-first kind of guy. So I think it'll just open up his teammates even more if he does start to shoot the puck more because no one's really going down to block a shot when Adam has the puck on his stick. So I think that's just, you know, a, a huge advantage for him, you know, down the road, something I think he'll look to develop as well, you know, kind of what Ben said. Yeah, yeah. And and Kreider tipped that goal in, um, but Fox generated it. I mean, yeah. I think he had three apples that, mm-hmm. that night. Uh, you know, he just, every every time the guy has the puck, I mean, he he does something special with it. Uh, for sure. And talking about leading into now the devil's game. Uh, so I was at the game mm-hmm. and they got the win. I thought all in all, they played pretty sloppy. Uh, I think they probably got outplayed. Obviously Igor was the major difference maker there. And the, the two guys I really noticed was of course, Igor, but I also noticed that Mika every time he took a shift, I mean, it was incredibly noticeable and he had a really, really good game. And I'm really glad he found that type of consistency, you know, the past 20 games now or, or whatever it was. And he's just, he's just consistently being one of the top players in the game. I feel like this, you know, these past 20, 30 games and it's really good. And I also wanted to talk about Laffy. I mean, you know, we, we touched on him a little bit with Vince as well. Uh, he's playing with so much more confidence these last, you know, seven to 10 games. And I'm really liking the direction he's headed. Uh, going into this week of away games, what what's your thoughts on on how he's been playing the last few games? Well, it's just wild to me that he only has 17 points this year. Like, you know, we, we kind of think he's having such a great year and he's been having a great stretch here, but he has no assists. Yeah, like, no, no assists. it's it's wild because he, he's definitely more of a, you know, a playmaker pass yeah. first kind of guy. Yeah. And the fact that he only has four assists this year is is really, really uh, eye opening. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that just goes to show you he needs to be playing with better players like you know, I, yeah. I think there's there's no reason now for him to be put on the third line. Even, you know, no, he's got to stay. He's got to stay on the top line. Like yeah, no question I, about it. He's got to stay on the top line. When Kako and Sammy Blay, like obviously, I don't think Sammy Blay is returning. But when Kako does return, that's when things kind of get tricky. I think. Um, Why? Well, right. Not really. He'll be on the he'll be on the second line with Stroman. He'll Panarin. be on, or, or yeah, or based on what we do, he'll be on the third. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think he needs to stay on the on the top line. And listen, I, I'm not ragging on how they played against the devils like we're getting the job done so we definitely can't be mad at that uh and i know obviously we're playing hurt like you said kako's out rooney was out and we really only have five real forwards that are producing Mm -hmm. uh so you know we got to find different ways to find that consistency that i feel like other playoff teams right now have especially coming down this huge stretch uh where you're constantly playing good teams so you need to figure out ways to play good hockey and I, I really just wish the trade deadline was today because these next two weeks are going to be pretty tough. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, Drury's waiting until like March 19th or March 20th to make moves. So we're going to need to find, especially this week on this road trip, we're going to need to find ways to win and generate offense 
and really just find that consistency. I feel like. Yeah, I think this road trip will be very telling too. Um, you know, we're we're playing against some pretty good teams. I know tonight's game. Obviously, we're recording Sunday, but this comes out Monday against Winnipeg. is is pretty big. Winnipeg hasn't been as good as they should have been this year. Um, you know, I think they've definitely underperformed, but yeah. Minnesota is another one of those teams that they've been you know, getting crushed lately. Dude, they've they were one of the hottest the teams in the league. Yeah, they were one of the hottest teams yeah. in the league two weeks ago, and, and they've looked horrible in their last five games. I actually, yeah. I wrote they're the also covers. hurt though. They're hurt as well. Yeah. Well, their goaltending has been, te- been terrible. It's been atrocious. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I wrote for covers today actually that my pick was the, the Stars, who have actually looked really good too. The Stars are going to be a scary team come playoff time. And, and then we play St. Louis again on Thursday, and then we're in Dallas Saturday. So, like, those are four really good teams. I actually don't think I, I kind of had a hot take that Georgiev would start against the Devils because I don't think he's going to get a start in any of these games coming this week. I think he's going to get one. You think I he think, gets one? I think he's going to get either the blue start or the wild start. I just have mm-hmm. a feeling that. You know, Gallant's going to, I don't know. I just have a feeling I was looking today, actually, I, I was talking to a buddy and, you know, he brought up Georgiev and I was looking and I didn't realize he, he has a lot of starts this year, man. Yeah. Like Shesti has 36 starts, I think. And Georgiev has 21. So he's got a lot of starts and I know, a, you know, a period of time Shesti was obviously hurt, but I, I don't know. I feel like I just have a bad feeling that he's going to be like, give Shesti the extra two days. Uh, whatever it is, and and he's going to start him against the Blues. I just had I just have a hunch. No, I mean that's not a bad not a bad take. I mean the Rangers are about to play you know six games in eleven days, so I'm sure there's yeah. going to be at least some room for him to rest. But just with the way he's playing and and the the momentum they're kind of picking up, and you know these are obviously four games against not divisional you know rivals or or important teams for the standings yeah. necessarily. Still big games, though. but still big games, and and yeah. still still kind of a you know, somewhat of a measuring stick to see where we really are, especially in the game against, for, for me, I think it's Dallas. Um, you know, I think Dallas has been the strongest team that we're going to be playing in the next four games. But, you know, and we, ha- we also haven't seen Dallas since opening night, too, and, and, and Dallas won that game in overtime. Um, you know, obviously, if you look at the standings, you'd probably say Minnesota's the biggest game because they're second in their division. But, um, you know, Minnesota just hasn't looked that strong as of late. Yeah. But there was one point that I wanted to make that I forgot where I was headed with it. Well, um, if you come back to it, let me know. But I did want to circle back to the Devils and someone who played really, really badly against the Devils was Ryan Strom. He had a really rough game. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a couple dumb penalties, you know, had missed missed a goal from, again, from two feet away, wide open net. So leads me to the question, do you want to extend Ryan Strom? Or, or are you thinking we should go grab someone and, you know, extend them? Like, what's your, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? For me, like, and listen, I've, obviously I'm, I'm nowhere near the player Artemi Panarin is and never was, but I, I think it's very sure? important to, to keep your stars and keep your best players happy. And it's clear that Strom and Panarin have a great chemistry and, and a great relationship. And, you know, I think that adds a lot of value to him, you know, depending on obviously who, who you bring in to replace Strom, but um, if it's me and I'm Chris Drury, I'm, I'm going to extend Ryan Strom simply on the fact that my best player and most important player on the team, aside from Igor, obviously, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to separate those two. Yeah. Yeah. It's re- it's, it's really fucking tough. Uh, we got into it a little bit as well with Vince last week. I just think it's a tough situation because you see him have games where he plays really, really well. And then you see the chemistry between him and Panarin and, mm-hmm. You know, you think this guy's awesome, but then you also see him play games like how he did against the Devils, where he takes a really dumb penalty that costs us, or he misses a wide open shot from a foot away. And 
the one thing that you absolutely don't want come playoffs is, you know, a hot-headed player coming in in a crucial situation and taking a really dumb penalty, especially mm. when the refs kind of forget about their whistles in the playoffs. And it just seems to be a little bit of a pattern. So that's where I'm getting a little concerned with him. Um, and well, yeah, like, and that, and that, sorry, in that Capitals oh, game, ahead. yeah, in that Capitals game, he had a penalty in the last minute of the first and second right. period. Yeah, both periods, exactly. But then again, I look at the other side of the spectrum and I'm like, wow, you're getting, I don't know where else you're getting a very good caliber center like him for under $6 million, which is probably what we'll get him for, aside maybe trading for, you know, like a Shifley, like we talked about, who's under contract for 6.1, but I don't know. It's, it's so tough. Uh, I I'm kind of at on the stance of, I would like us to trade for a guy like Shifley or hurdle and extend mm-hmm. that guy. And then almost look at it as you're using Strom as the rental, as opposed to vice versa, but with a big, but, and I want to make this very clear. I will not be mad whatsoever. If we do choose to re-sign Strom, because I really like him. He's a really good player. And He's a guy you're going to get for excellent value that already has that fantastic chemistry, like you said, with Panarin. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a really tough situation. And it's it, I'm like speechless as to what's going to happen in these next two weeks because I feel like he has to get extended within the next two weeks. Otherwise, it's going to be a bloodbath. I kind of want to not like rip on you, but I kind of want to. I, I think Ryan, is, Ryan Strom deserves a lot more respect, honestly. Um, so... That's fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Feel free to rip on me, but yeah. I'm at the point where, you know, I see the chemistry he has with Panarin and it's great and all, but at the same time, like no offense, Panarin's a big boy and he's my favorite player. But if we're going to make the right moves and build this cup team that we want our team to win, like, I don't know if Strom is, I mean, are you really going to look at him as, a two C for the next five, six years that he's going to get, or do you want a guy who's a legit one B center who you look at other championship teams like the penguins who have Crosby Malkin uh, you look at, you know, the lightning who have point and Stamkos and other. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just look at it from that side and I'm like, is, is that going to be what we need? Uh, that being said, again, I really do like Strom as a player and I would love to find a way to keep him if we were able to add a guy, but you know, unfortunately I think we're going to have to pick or choose. So I just think it's also, it has to be said too, like his personality and presence away from the rink has definitely shown in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah, he's a guy, yeah. I, you know, obviously anyone who pays close attention to Ranger social media, like he's probably the most outgoing player on the team from what it seems like. Um, you know, he's always a guy that's in the mix with the rest of the group, you know, just from obviously from an outsider's perspective. And then again, like, you know, he's one of the guys we we've had, what, like, like three playoff games, I think in his time here because, and, and those three games were in the bubble against the, the hurricanes. And, and what did Ryan Strom do in the first fucking two minutes of that game, drop the gloves and fought, set the tone. Like yeah. he's a guy, he's a guy who not only just like wants to be here, but I think he's a good guy for the Rangers culture like that we're building. Right. Like he's a guy who. Right. You know, he can score goals. He can play defensive. I'm sure, you know, he obviously does take dumb penalties and stuff, and he'll learn right. from that experience. But he also is a guy who's going to step in and stand up for his teammates and and not allow anyone to shit on them. Um, you know, I, I think that's really important. And How much is he paying you? No, <laughs> no I, I honestly just, I genuinely like him as a, as a person yeah. from everything I've no, seen. No, I do too. I do too. Um, I mean, listen, like I said, it's a really, really tough decision, and – uh, luckily for us, you and I aren't making that decision. So it's yeah. going to be up to Drury. 
but the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on here before, you know, you, you kicked it off to Alexis was speaking of tough decisions. I wanted to do a little speed lightning round with you of, of mm-hmm. a couple of questions, hypothetical. Would you rather, um, what do you think on that? Yeah. yeah let's do it. You offer it. Mm-hmm. All right. So would you rather one of Lafreniere or Kako turn into an all-star and the other would be a bust or both turn into very solid, reliable players, but definitely not superstars. Okay. But can you give me a solid, reliable player that you have in mind? Like what would their career look like? Okay. That's, that's a good, mm. <laughs> you're putting me in the spot. I just throw it right back at you. Yeah, seriously. Uh, let's say I, I know he's a different position, but let's say Kevin Hayes. Okay. That, no, that's, that's actually, that's, that makes it really hard. Um, you know, my, my first initial instinct was to have one of them be a superstar because if you have two, if you have a first overall draft pick and second overall draft pick and neither of them become and a I'm superstar. And I'm talking superstar like Nathan McKinnon. Like yeah, no, yeah. I'd, I'd rather have obviously Lafreniere become like a McKinnon or, you know, even like a, he's, I don't even, I don't know if he's a superstar. I, I would say he's a superstar, like a Johnny Gaudreau. Um, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would love for Lafreniere to turn into that. Obviously he has a little bit more hope right now than, than Kako does. Um, but two solid players, like having two really strong wingers is definitely something that, you know, is, is valuable. But for me, I, I think it'd be a huge waste if, you know, we, the Rangers had a number one overall pick and number two overall pick and they not necessarily turn into Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes is a good player, but he's not, right. you know, he, he's, he's replaceable. I'm so proud of you for making a decision and not just choosing both. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually, that was a challenging question, but because I yeah. mean, Kevin, Kevin Hayes is really good, but he's not, you yeah, know, he, he's yeah. Kevin Hayes and Ryan Strom to me are the same thing. Very, yeah, that's it. That's a great point. And yeah. I think I'm right there with you. I agree. I would really want one to turn into a superstar and I'm okay with the one, the other one not panning out ultimately, yeah. because I think the one who would turn into a superstar and yes, like you said, right now, Lafreniere is looking a little more promising. It would elevate this team so much further than just essentially two good yeah. you know, top nine guys. But uh, all right. Ne- next question. The Kravtsov situation never happening. So he would be in the lineup. Or Sammy Blay never getting injured and he would be in the lineup. Sammy Blay, 100%. Same. Same. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was, that was easy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Have Brian Leach on a pair right now to play with Adam Fox, but you don't have Ryan Lindgren. Or having Yarmir Yager on the right wing with Zibby and Kreider right now, but you don't have Lafreniere. This is a really hard one. Mm-hmm. Well, this is hard too because you have to like, it's so hard to compare like generational talent. No, but just generational talent so hard. Like, like right. you know, I'm assuming Brian Leach would be like prime Brian Leach and it would like translate Both somehow. Prime. Both yeah. prime. It yeah. would translate. I mean, I think like this team where it's at right now would need more of a Yager than a Leach, but like who the fuck would not want to see Brian Leach and Adam Fox pair together? You know, like, yeah. I, I mean, having a guy like Yager right now it is kind of like exactly what we would need. Like just a guy who is, you know, very good below the goal line in the offensive zone, protects the puck, creates scoring chances, five and five, like, you know, an overall playmaker. But, you know, who, who like I said, who wouldn't want to see Brian Leach? I don't know. I, I, would, I would probably say Yager. Um, but I think that's also unfair of me to say because I didn't get to watch Brian Leach like my whole life. Make a fucking decision, um, Johnny. Yeah, I'm saying Yager. <laughs> What's yours? Uh, I think I'm right. Th- I think I'm right there with you. Cover yeah. for your ears, Brian. He's my favorite player of all time. But uh, I do think, based on need and how yeah. this team has been built and how they're looking, they're they're fine defensively. I mean, originally they were letting up a lot of shots and so on, but I think the team is 
finding their way defensively. Keandre has really come into his mm-hmm. own over the last 10 games and really stepped up. Schneider looks great. I think they have a really, really bright future. And right now they desperately need another big, big time scorer. And I think Yager would be <laughs> prime Yager would be more than what they need. So uh, I'm going to go with him as well. And then the I, last I do question, think 80% yeah. of people would, would probably pick Leach. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to see, to see, are arguably the Rangers best player of all time with a future potential best player mm-hmm. of all time. I mean, yeah. who's, who doesn't want to see that, but um, all right. Last question, winning a ship this year. So winning the championship this year, but not again for the next seven years, the team still might be good, but definitely not winning or be guaranteed to make the Eastern conference final minimum for the next seven years with a chance to win the ship every single year, but no guarantees. So I think there's a correct answer. And then I think there's my answer. Okay. Um, so I think the correct answer is obviously you take the guaranteed Stanley cup. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think that's like me asking you if, you know, if, if you can make a million dollars right now or have the chance to make a million dollars for seven years, what would you take? I think it's kind of like, right. it's kind of the same thing. Um, so I, I, I do think that's the answer, but for me, like as a fan, like I would want this team to be but it's who, not who, saying who, they're not going to be competitive. No, yeah, no, no. Who, yeah. who wouldn't want the Rangers to be in the Eastern Conference Finals for seven years in a row with the chance of winning, you know, multiple cups? Right. right. Um, you know, it's it's hard to say no to that guaranteed one, but I don't know, man. I think I think I I just look at the longevity of like being a fan and like actually having fun, and I think seven straight years of Eastern Conference Finals this would be insane. Yeah, yeah. You're you're not wrong. Uh, call I'm me definitely selfish. wrong. I'm definitely wrong. Call, I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say, call me selfish, but I'm going with the guaranteed chip for yeah. sure. No, I think that's a smart. Thing. Long, <laughs> you see how long it takes teams to win one until the next one. Uh, you know, there's been a couple of dynasties, like you've seen Pittsburgh, you've seen the Hawks and Tampa's essentially trying to build one as well. But mm. I think getting the guaranteed one would be great. And that's not to say you won't win one in eight years. You never know. I mean, obviously your team will change drastically, but I think just getting a guaranteed one, I mean, think about us right now we're going on what 27 years so it's it's a long time so well you also got to think about our podcast like imagine how much better our podcast would be if we're in the eastern conference final seven years in a row or or think about like, how much a, better there's our a lot to talk about for seven years if we win a sh- well if we win a ship i might go missing i don't even fucking know but that gives us a lot to talk about for seven years if, if, yeah, the, rangers win mean, a, if the rangers win a cup this year and then suck ass next year what happens to us yeah, but what if what if they're very good for the next seven years straight, but just don't win the ship? I mean, that's yeah. essentially, you know, the Rangers before they blew it up in eighteen or seventeen. When when did they even blow it up? Eighteen, I think, right? I think it was uh, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, so they were good for what twelve straight years, thirteen straight years. I mean, so I don't know. It's I I think for me the the guaranteed championships no brainer, and you know I'd I'd go uh, I'd go uh, streaking or or something something crazy. I said, I said 80% would disagree in the last one. I think 95% would disagree with me on this one. You think so? I'd agree with you. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right. I think that's I, all I got. You I got mean, yeah, I, I think the guarantee is just like the obvious answer, but I'm, I'm just thinking like how fun it was to just watch them compete every year. But, <laughs> I mean, you know. yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It would be sick, but I'm definitely sticking with the guarantee. Give me a ring. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Um, and, and before we do send it over to Alexis, I, I do just want to take a quick second to talk about, um, you know, obviously something that's like super hard to talk about, but there was a, a very sad and, and unexpected loss in the hockey world this past weekend. Um, you know, one of my former coaches, Chris Saransky, who was the coach of Team Maryland's 18 and under team, AAA team, and he just collapsed on the bench um, kind of out of nowhere. And then 
uh, didn't make it in the hospital on Friday night. So, um, you know, it was, it was just obviously like very surprising. And Chris is a guy who, you know, one of the first coaches that really believed in me as a player, he got me to, you know, move out to Wichita Falls and play junior hockey in the NHL. And, um, he kind of took a chance on me cause they tendered me and, um, you know, they, they used up a draft spot on me. So, you know, he's, he's a big reason for any success that I've had in, in my hockey career. And, um, you know, he's a guy who really just had a, a positive impact on my life and someone who was always happy to be around at the rink. He's a guy that stayed, you know, at the rink till 1am doing laundry, whatever he had to do to get, you know, the job done for, for us to feel more comfortable at the rink and comfortable playing. And, um, you know, just a super sad, unexpected loss that, you know, I can only think about his family and then his players as well. Like, you know, I can't imagine being on the bench and, and, and seeing that happen. Um, but there is a GoFundMe going around. I retweeted the link to it, um, you know, just trying to donate money to his family to, to pay for, you know, any bills or anything they have to deal with right now. So, um, you know, for anyone who just like loves the hockey community and, um, you know, wants to help out a, a family in need, uh, just go to my Twitter page and scroll down. You'll see it. But, um, you know, Chris Ransky was definitely uh, an amazing guy and just an upbeat guy to be around and someone who really loved the game of hockey and was always there to help whenever, um, you know, me or, or any of my teammates needed. So, um, you know, I just wanted to talk about him really quick because, you know, it's just, it's just a really, really sad loss for, for the hockey world and, and just the world in general. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, full prayers for uh, his family as well. And it's, it's of course a situation that you hate to see and yeah. glad he took a chance on you. Cause you could say he, made a very large impact in your life and yeah, kind of turned you into the man you are today. So yeah. Came over for a lot of, uh, a lot of meals too. When I was building in Wichita falls, it was always fun to have him over for dinner and stuff. Um, but yeah, so, um, like I said, if you just want to go to the, the GoFundMe page and, and donate, that'd be, that'd be amazing. I think they've already raised like 20, $30,000, which is awesome. So, um, yeah, check that out, but that's going to wrap it up for, for this week. I actually, before, before I do send it over to Alexis, Cody, we're recording, Prior to the Rangers-Winnipeg game, what's your prediction for the game? Let's see how wrong we both are tomorrow morning. I'm going to say Rangers win 4-2. to two. Rangers win 4 I, I actually like that. I kind of, I kind of agree. Um, <laughs> okay, 4-2. to two. I'll say 3-2 in overtime. I'll change it up. You heard it here first. Barkley Goodrow is having a goal. Barkley Goodrow having a goal. And Cody's been hot, so I'll trust that. Um, but, yeah, now I'm going to send it over to Alexis Downey. Very happy to welcome back my friend who was absent last week. I was sick and there was a whole thing, but happy to have her back on the show. Alexis Downey from Stadium. Alexis, what's going on? Not too much. It, it feels good to be back in Chicago. I feel like I've been on the road so much recently that it's mm. nice to just have a weekend at home and kind of relax and get back into it. Well, I know you got a big week ahead of you too, but have you been watching a lot of hockey? A little bit here and there when I've been able to. Uh, Usually if I put money on the games, I'm more inclined to watch it a little bit more now too. Mm. So, um, I, I watched a couple games this week, um, later half of the week, I got a little busy, but enough hockey, I would say. And especially as we're getting closer to the trade deadline. So, so as someone new to the betting world, how has your experience been thus far? I definitely want to talk about that a little bit today. <laughs> You know, it's been interesting. I find that I, I think it was last Wednesday, my first bet just was blown out of the water. I forget mm. what it was. And I was watching a game and I was like, I don't even want to watch this anymore because I am so frustrated at what mm. has t happened tonight. So I've been thinking about it some more. I'm like, I can't let this happen because I love the sport. I just, I can't, I can't let that happen. So I, it's been fine. Um, definitely a growing experience and I'm still, I still have a positive record. So that's good. That I think good. I've been doing this for like six weeks now. So mm. 
And I don't do every night. Like if, if I feel good about the night, then I'll do it. It, whether it's on the show that my picks are on for stadium or not, but Mm. you know, sometimes I'll just put money down if not. So they always say, if you're better than 50%, you're an amazing sports better. It's very hard. It's very hard to be a 50%. It really is. Yeah. For the, for the show right now, I am 2018 and one just like wins losses. So, um, there's, there was a couple in there that I I think I could have done better on, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's like I said, it's a learning curve. So, well, I thought for sure you were going to rip on me because I posted my first article for covers last week and I took the Kings money line against the Bruins and they lost seven, nothing. So I thought you were going to get your payback from that (laughs) one, but I guess, I guess you must've missed that one. No, no. I remember you, you told me about that and, uh, I know your pain. <laughs> I'll go there. I know that yeah. pain. Uh-huh. It's it's an embarrassing pain. Yeah, it is. But it's tough. you know, you bounce back from it. And covers is great. There's there's mm. a lot of good uh, statistics and all that on their website. So that's always helpful. But something I want to get into also, uh, you know, in regards to the betting is that late. I don't know if it's just lately, but it seems like there's been this trend going on where like, you know, one of the heavy favorites every night. Is getting upset you know like we saw it recently with the arizona coyotes beating the avalanche and i think the sabers beat the wild the other night or um was it the toronto. Wild? Maybe toronto toronto it'd be yeah. toronto, it'd be toronto yeah. in toronto five to one i mean like mm-hmm. this stuff's happening almost on an every night basis so i might start taking a new approach where i'm looking at the top three heavy favorites and i'm just picking against one of them every night to see which one hits up, hit or pays off the best because you know the coyotes and and Sabers go into these places and win, and they're probably like plus three hundred even more. It's a lot of it's a lot of return. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that because it was Thursday night that I remember looking at the the rundown yeah, we, of all the games. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I was like, one team is going to lose. What team is it going to be? And I I don't I didn't think it was going to just be you know half of them essentially, mm-hmm. and the Panthers were the only ones to win. Um, but it's it's almost like like, why is this happening? Like a lot of these teams don't have anything to play for that are winning and everything, but I know at least this week, like the Sabres and the Maple Leafs will be playing in that heritage classic on Mm -hmm. Saturday, the outdoor game. So I would definitely expect Toronto to win that after being embarrassed by the Sabres. Oh yeah. Um, but it is a weird, definitely a new approach for this. I, I feel like I mean, it's just so unpredictable. Like, how, how are you going to know besides like maybe looking at like the schedule, the, like, are they on a road trip or, you know, what, what's the team been like? I don't know. It's, it's hard to, to tell when these upsets are going to happen, but I feel like maybe they're going to happen more often since they have been. Yeah. And the goaltending is a big thing too. I mean, I don't know why this just mm-hmm. came up to my, came up to me, but uh, Nico Dawes, like the devil's goalie as of late has, you know, not been incredible, but the team right now it's struggling too. the St. Louis blues. I mean, the Rangers played them on, uh, you know, I, th- I think Wednesday night, but you know, the blues came to New York, came to the metropolitan division and, and have lost now like three or four games in a row. And they're a team that was very, very hot who, you know, I don't think they're going to necessarily collapse, but a team that I want to talk about that you're very close to as well is the Pittsburgh penguins. Cause right now they're only four points out of first place in the Metro. Yeah. And I think that this is an interesting time for the team because of the trade deadline looming. And I know Jason Zucker was back on the ice for them over the weekend. Um, He's expected to return soon after having um, going through his surgery and everything. So that'll be a big pickup for them. Um, But yeah, they're not too far behind Carolina. And it's hard for me to say that 
can they pass Carolina in the standings? I don't know because mm. I, it, it's the hurricanes there. They've been so good. Um, but I think once we get past the trade deadline, see what kind of moves the team makes. Um, I'll be curious to see how it plays out for them. And I know that this week in particular, the Penguins have a pretty tough home schedule. They're going to be hosting Florida, Vegas, and Carolina Mm -hmm. all this week. And I mean, those are teams, those are the quality opponent wins. If they're able to win those games, like that says a lot about the kind of team that they are. And I, obviously we, we know that they're playing well. They seem like they they're gelling and everything. Um, but Curious to see how the rest of the next month kind of plays out for them. Well, another team in the Metro that I wanted to bring up too, uh, you know, not necessarily the best team, but a team that we should keep our eyes on because of guys like Patrick Line and and Oliver Bjorkstrand has been a you know pretty hot player as of late. But the Columbus Blue Jackets aren't out of it yet. I mean, they, they have been struggling to find ways to win. I think they've lost like five out of their last six, but they're scoring goals. Their offense is ranked ninth in the league right now, which is like very underrated because. When you think about Columbus, you don't necessarily think about goal scoring, but they are a team that can go on a run. And who knows, like the Washington Capitals, I don't think they're guaranteed to make the playoffs. I think Columbus can end up stealing a spot. Yeah, the Capitals are in that wild card spot right now. Mm. It's like the Bruins, the Caps, and then the Blue Jackets. So I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at that either. I I don't think it's a complete long shot for them to make it, Um, but I think they're they're still like 10 points behind Washington or so, something around there. 10 points, yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if they could do it. Maybe. I guess, mm-hmm. I guess we'll kind of see. But I mean, Detroit's right behind them and they've had a very surprisingly good season. Mm-hmm. Now they haven't made the playoffs in a number of years. So that would be surprising. But I I guess I could kind of see maybe Columbus going on a little bit of a run there. I just think it's like almost too good to be true when everyone's been saying like all year pretty much that the eight teams in the East were kind of locked up. It'd be nice mm-hmm. to have like one of those teams come in and kind of surprise unless it's the Rangers spot, obviously, because I don't want the Rangers to the playoffs. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like Columbus is a team where, you know, we've seen that building get kind of electric for playoff time nationwide arena in Columbus. Like they have a great fan base. They've only won that one playoff series, but I think they're a team, you know, Merzlikens had a really hot start to the season, but he's definitely fallen off as of late. But I don't know. Columbus would be mm-hmm. an exciting team and, and definitely not a, a fun team to match up with in the first round. Yeah. No, after the last, the couple of years ago, I, I wouldn't want to play them then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that like, like you just mentioned, they, the fan base is actually like super dedicated in mm-hmm. Columbus. Like I, I mean, being from Ohio, I didn't ever really go to blue jackets games. I don't even know if I've ever actually been to one now that I think about it, but I know that the fans there, that they do have are like super passionate and really love hockey. So obviously that would be great to see for Columbus. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's actually a place that I would love to go to a game. Um, I do have a funny story. I played against Ohio state my junior year of college. And like, I mean, I could tell us now cause I'm out of college, but like the four or five guys that were scratched that night, like ended up sneaking into the blue jackets game and then like came to the end of our game uh, that <laughs> night, which is kind of like a cool story. I guess, uh, you know, one of them was like, friends with Torch's daughter or something. So she hooked it up and like got them into the building. I don't know. Cool story. But yeah, they said it was an awesome game. The Blue Jackets played the Leafs that night and apparently like Tavares had a hat trick or something. But um, yeah, no, I heard that place is sick. But that that's all I really got kind of this week. Um, I feel like there aren't many like trending stories going on right now. You know, obviously I think the Minnesota Wild like falling off a little bit has been one of the hot topics, but there's not much even there. Just their goaltending has been pretty horrendous. Um, as we saw today, they lost to Dallas. 
Yeah. And I do want to mention though, we were talking about a little bit about the coyotes earlier. Mm. Nick Schmaltz's crazy night on Saturday, seven points, the most amount of points in a game in 10 years in the NHL. That's crazy to me. Um, I got a text actually from Matt, uh, McConnell, the Coyotes broadcaster. And he was like, did you see what Schmaltz did tonight? And I was like, oh my goodness. So he's sick. That's pretty cool for them. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those guys we're the same age. So when I was a kid, like he was always like the kid in a lot, like everyone knew who Nick Schmaltz was because he was like, you know, that 96 birth year player that was just nasty. And like everyone knew he was going to go to the NHL. Like we had, we had people like our own age, like copying his, like the way he tapes his stick because they thought it was cool. <laughs> You know, it was, it's, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, he's been an awesome player to watch. And it's, it's kind of sucks that he's in Arizona. Cause I feel like he'd get a lot more attention if he was somewhere else that was like a little more popular. Like when he was in Chicago, I thought he had a, mm-hmm. you know, a solid popularity about him. Um, you know, that's definitely died down in Arizona, but, um, yeah, obviously pretty awesome for him to have seven points in a game, but yeah, that's gonna, I think, uh, you know, wrap it up for this week. So we're going to send it over to our interview with Josh from evolving hockey. Thanks for stopping by Alexis. Appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. This week, I'm happy to welcome on as our special guest and new friend of the show, Josh from Evolving Hockey. Josh, what's going on, man? You know, not much. Uh, just hanging out in Minnesota. We got some snow coming down. Uh, I'm happy to join you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're uh, we're pumped to have you on. How do you and uh, your brother get started in Evolving Wild, Evolving Hockey? Uh, where'd the love from hockey come from? I know you guys are Minnesota boys. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's kind of a, a, a interesting story. I think we have. I wasn't um, just even though we're from. Uh, I grew up. I mean, spent almost all of my life in Minnesota, but I didn't. I wasn't actually really a hockey fan until I like I was like maybe in my twenties, like early. Oh, wow. 20s, oh, wow. Right? Like so, twenty maybe twenty one. Actually, my brother and I grew up baseball players and fans. Like that was kind of our entire. Um, I mean, we skied a little bit too, but like baseball mm-hmm. was kind of everything that we did. We we played until we went to college, and that was kind of my entire sports kind of. Uh, fandom until I was essentially out of college. And um, I think because of that, it's kind of interesting because like a lot of being in baseball for so long, I mean, we played in, and um, we just, I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause we, I mean, twin, the twins are my fan, you know, or like, that's my team and yeah. my brother, you know, we're from Minnesota, we're twins. And so it just always, people are like, you were twins fans. Like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm in Minnesota. And that was, Makes you know, sense. That's <laughs> um, but uh, so like, yeah, but being a baseball fan, I mean, we um, both Luke and I kind of became pretty interested in like the statistical side of, of baseball, just with all the sabermetric stuff that was going on in the 2000s. Um, and so I actually didn't really start watching hockey until I got out of college. I had about six months when I was like living in my parent with my you know, we were both living at home um, right out of college. And my dad was a huge like he played hockey. Um, he was a huge wild fan. And it was uh, in like the winter. I didn't have anything to do. I had like a temp job and I would just get home and the wild would be on. I'd be like, well, this is kind of fun. And so Luke and I would just sit at home and watch hockey with our dad and basically learned hockey that way, like just watching for the I think it was. I want to say it was the like the 2011 2012 season. <laughs> I think it was the season when like I, I want to say it was like Yo was coaching the Wild and uh-huh. they started off really hot. I think mm-hmm. I, and yeah, Brodziak had like this really kind of funny like first couple months and then they completely fell off and they were really like just very unsustainable and just were getting really lucky in the first couple months. But just watching hockey and also kind of having that background in the saber metrics kind of stuff in baseball. Luke and I were both immediately curious, like, I wonder if there's any stat stuff or advanced kind of, you know, analysis that people are doing in hockey. So right from the start of us watching 
um, hockey and kind of learning about it, we, I was just immediately looking into and interested in a lot of the, you know, analysis and evaluation that people were doing. And um, then from there, I just fell in love with hockey. I was just a diehard mm-hmm. wild fan. You know, we weren't really doing much. I was just on like various like subreddits and forums and kind of just yeah. standard lurker fan who was just diehard about the wild. Um, but like kind of, this is Luke and I have a, a tendency with our, we don't have a ton of hobbies, but when I do pick up a hobby, I just become <laughs> extremely obsessed with it. Uh-huh. So it was just kind of night and day all the time, like wild. And because of the background with like the stat stuff, we just got, we started doing some work on our own. Um, and knowing baseball, uh, some of the, like there were some of the people who were working in had started developing their own like wins above replacement models. So war models, which were right. Right. Taken baseball. And I just thought that was really, really cool. I mean, that was just like really fascinating to me. Um, the original one we saw was the old war and ice site, which was AC Thomas, Sam Ventura and Alex Mandricki, who are now with respective Sam's with Buffalo. Alex is with Seattle. AC, uh, Andrew runs the, um, I think he runs not entirely t- his title, um, but he's with SMT and he does like a lot of the player tracking stuff now. Oh, okay. Um, they, had, they had a war model and, the real one, though, is Dawson Springens, who now is an analyst for the Avalanche. And he released a war model in the 2016. I think it was in 2016. And when he did that, he was releasing some of his data in like Google Sheets and stuff. And Luke and I just started an account because we liked it. We made some charts. And pretty much from there, I mean, it snowballed into just very quickly into us just like nonstop working with this stuff and doing charts. It was mostly wild focus. But then we got asked to write for hockey graphs. And from there, we just kind of. And that's just, how evolving you know, hockey came to be. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, awesome. so that was, I mean, not to not to take too much more time here, but that was pretty no, you're good. <laughs> no, yeah, that. you're good. No, it's fascinating. <laughs> so yeah, we uh, I mean, we it was just a pure obsession with the hobby that we really enjoyed. Yeah. And we started doing this stuff. We wanted to build our own war model. And when you end up trying to build your own war model, you end up doing about essentially like all of the stuff you have to make to build that ends up with a lot of other data. And we just had a whole bunch of stuff and we were sharing in Google Sheets and we were like, you know what? We had people who were like, you know, you should just try to make a website or we kind of wanted to. So we made a website evolving hockey just to share stuff there. And that was still an obsession and we just kept adding to it. And so that's kind of where it came from. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I've got two, I've got two things here right off the bat. So first of all, I was going to say thank you for Marion Gabrick, but you didn't even fucking watch Marion Gabrick growing up probably <laughs> since you became a hockey fan in 2012. And then, you know, leading into that too, Hockey and baseball couldn't be any more opposite. I mean, like baseball is, you know, obviously it's very analytical as well, but it's not like a read and react sport. You kind of know what's coming and you know exactly what your move is going to be when something happens. Where hockey, it's all read and react pretty much. You can't like necessarily prepare for certain situations. Of course, you know, you can watch film and study penalty kills and power plays. But as far as five on five goes, it's very hard to you don't necessarily have a game plan that's going to be perfect going in. So I think for me, like that's super interesting that you, you know, for your first love was baseball, probably because Billy Haywood from little big league, you know, that was my introduction to the Minnesota <laughs> twins. But um, you know, it's funny to me that you found hockey later on because, you know, to me, both, like I'm not a huge baseball guy, but both sports couldn't be further opposites. Yeah, it is really interesting. We were actually, I was kind of like when we, the thing is that a lot of the um, ideas around how we evaluate players kind of translate across multiple sports. So like in baseball, I mean, the concept of war, I won't get into this too much, but it's just essentially like we want to that va- we want to kind of boil down um, every area of value that a player can can add into multiple components that kind of sum to one number that are all held on the same level. Mm-hmm. And baseball, that's like, for, you know, hit, hitting and pitching is different and you have to adjust for position and you have different, um, you know, you have like, I, I won't get into it too much, but, but, 
that is not like baseball is completely isolated where each event is like, you know, the pitcher throws a ball, the batter hits yeah. the ball. Like it's completely like where hockey is much more like soccer or basketball, where there mm -hmm. are these interactions between teammates, but there are a lot of things we can do in hockey that allow us to kind of isolate players in a way. And when we're able to do that, we then can kind of break down the components. So something like, um, you know, a, a player's fielding isn't really that different from a kind of a theoretical standpoint or philosophical standpoint from a skater on the ice defending, for instance. I mean, so yeah, the, the, yes, you're absolutely right. The sports couldn't really be any different, but it's interesting. And we, we've taken a lot of like um, a lot of work that was done in baseball, like, you know, just the, the kind of concepts and, uh, work that was research that was done on like say aging so aging curves in baseball had been around for a long time and that was some of the early work that we did was looking at baseball articles and taking some of the methods there so it's really interesting how even though you're absolutely right that baseball and hockey are really really different the ideas and concepts about how we evaluate and um you know uh, analyze players i actually kind of there's a lot of come um you know uh, i guess a common ground there mm -hmm. yeah that's great and and funny enough baseball is also my other favorite sport as well <laughs> uh I'm a Yankees fan, so I, I'm okay. sure you guys are probably sick of us, especially I come playoff time. I hate the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> but I did want to ask, uh, so, you know, you being a twin, do you guys do essentially everything together? Do you have different friends, different lifestyles? And I know you had mentioned that, you know, one of you got into hockey and then the other got into hockey. So is that, does it kind of follow suit? Yeah, we are. Um, I don't know how rare it is, but Luke and I have always kind of been like, I, I guess, I don't know, it sounds cheesy to say, but we're like really good friends. I mean, we've yeah. always gotten along. I, I think yeah. so when we we tend to do pretty much most things together, I mean, all of our hobbies are always kind of together. So we both just kind of fell in love with the game. I mean, like just back to the origin story, I suppose we were both living at home with our parents. So we both right. were watching the games. We both started at the exact same time. Um, in terms of like what we do, I guess, in, in like our, our interests or our work on, on this stuff is that we both kind of have a, we tend to have like a one focus, like a long-term goal, but to get there, there are multiple things that we have to do. And so we've, we've tended to kind of naturally delegate tasks. So like, you know, this thing needs to get done, but we have to do this, 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 and this. So it's like, right. take this, I'll take this. We kind of collaborate kind of constantly. Um, I mean, we even like, for instance, we, um, like the main language we work in is R it's a statistical programming language. And when we learned that it was like, I actually learned that first because we were using, we were doing a lot of work in Excel. Um, and we kind of got to a point where Excel just wasn't really cutting it for the amount of data we were working with and the kind of stuff we wanted to do. And so I actually learned that first. I, I, if anyone remember, uh, remembers, uh, Manny, Manny Perry or Emmanuel Perry at Manny Elk on Twitter, he ran course good.hockey, which is an old, um, couple years ago, uh, hockey stats website. And he had a course, that just taught how, you know, how, how to oh, use wow. this language. So I actually did that. And then um, at, for after about a month of that, I kind of felt the confident and I, you know, then I was like, kind of helped Luke learn it. And now yeah. he's actually probably more proficient than I am, I would say. So we kind of like just trade off things Eat and off each you know, other. Yeah. Do different, yeah. Different tasks. I mean, whenever we need to, we both are pretty proficient in various things, but at this point we've taken on like I tend to do more of like the predictive modeling more or less. So like I can yeah. handle some of the, like our expected goals model and our contract projections. Um, Luke is more of kind of taken on the data engineer side of things. So like database maintenance and um, kind of ensuring that a lot of the um, daily updates and whatnot and all of the um, stats that we get that we're, you know, we put together are together. So we kind of take on different roles, but we both are proficient in all of the areas that we're kind of working on. So I have a question about the expected goals model because I, I actually, I write for the action network. So, um, you know, okay, I, I yeah. Really I look at your guys' stuff a lot and I look at, you know, all these different, like Money Puck and um, Natural Statric, all these different things about expected goals. Yeah. And one thing that I have a question about, I think I've, I think I've asked someone before, 
But, um, you know, obviously you can kind of get a sense for which team dominated a game based on expected goals and everything like that. Yeah. But something that's not taken into consideration, I feel like, is the caliber of the player that's shooting the puck in an expected goal situation. So, like, you know, for example, if Kaprizov has the puck in the slot, chances are most of the time he's going to score. But if who's – a, who's a shitty player on the wild that I can think of? <laughs> um, you know, but if uh, – he's not shitty, but like Brodeen, if he's in the yeah. slot – you know, his chances of scoring are probably a little bit less. So, you know, how do you kind of measure that in a sense when you're, you know, for me, I'm, I'm picking a team daily and a lot of what goes into my pick is the expected goals from their last game. Cause it's like, you know, a little bit of carrying momentum into the next game. Mm -hmm. So how would you kind of, you know, infiltrate that into your um, model? Yeah. So it's actually a really interesting question that I I has some decent work has been done on. Um, and we, we actually, when we built our original expected goals model, we like really wanted to incorporate a shooting component into the model. Um, Dawson Spriggins did this, uh, back in, I think again, it was like 2015, 2016 with his expected goals model, which is one of the first to do it where he incorporated a, um, a shooting component, uh, just to kind of a shooter, a shooter, shooter talent, a free Mm -hmm. shot kind of thing. And we actually found that for it's hard i guess i don't want to get too complicated here but from a modeling standpoint or statistical standpoint there are so many skaters in the league and so few of them actually have like a real natural talent that's higher statistically than like another player so obviously Mm -hmm. someone like austin matthews for instance has been one of the best shooters in the league for years yeah or mcdavid right right but like there are there are also 400 other players who are basically all the same and so from a statistical standpoint it, it can be hard from the way the techniques work to have any kind of um, to have like when you have a, a, a value or a component like that to have like the model say oh we know this is Matthew so that the xg is going to be higher for this player what you mm-hmm. actually end up getting is that all players are pretty similar and so when that's the case there's very little that actually changes when you incorporate these from a t- statistical standpoint mm-hmm. now that's not to say that it's not um you know it, the thing is that in our XG model, we don't specifically include shooting talent, but from something like our expected goals above replacement model, it's incorporated there. So it's mm-hmm. more about like, I think from XG is, I think also um, it's, it's partly a team metric as well, because players aren't, the value isn't just like, because a, a, a shooter was able to generate, they got into a position because partly their teammate helped them yeah. get into that position. Right. right? So kind of a, a little bit of a, of a balancing act we so far i think we're going to be doing some more research and work this off season when we redo and kind of reframework some of our xg stuff we'll look into it more i mean i think it's definitely something that um more research could be done but it's been tough for us to actually incorporate it in a way that actually leads to uh, a, a useful result I'll, I, I guess i'll say yeah. yeah definitely and i i did want to ask while we're on some xg talk and stats talk in regards to the rangers so the rangers have this wealth of youth and you know all these young players uh, so they have two especially young, talented players in Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco, who should both be very, very good NHL players, but neither have really had that breakout season yet where they're lighting up the stat sheet. So is there any underlying or advanced metrics that you can tell us that fans may not be seeing by the naked eye as to why they're not producing how they should yet? I so it both those players are really interesting players. I think Capo specifically has been kind of a uh, uh, player that, um, well, we've had some fun back and forth banter with Rangers fans about Cabo because yeah. his first year in the NHL was one of the worst seasons yeah. I've ever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we watched it firsthand. It was tough. Yeah, yeah and it, you won't tell I, Ryan me that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's who it is. It's those guys, Ryan and Greg. Yeah, um, they're great. I, I I kind of I mean I felt bad because I didn't have like I thought you know the amount of 
I'll say the amount of joy that when they when the Rangers drafted him, like I was like kind of hoping that he would be good. And so right. far, I think that what we've seen from specifically Cog is really interesting because it's like he's actually ended up being like the last two seasons, like pretty good defensively, which mm-hmm. is not I don't think what I I mean, I'm not a prospects person at all. I didn't really right. watch him in the lower leagues and anything like that. So I can't really speak to that. But it's been interesting to follow his career so far. I mean, what are we on? Is it season three? Season okay. three. Yeah. And it's like he's been hasn't really done much offensively, but like last season, he was pretty solid defensively from our metrics. So like, if that's kind of the player he turns into, that's still a pretty valuable player from Mm -hmm. a, um, from a a forward standpoint. Um, I think that's probably what, not what Rangers fans were expecting or hoping, but Lavin year, I think is an interesting one because it's like, he's kind of just graded out as average from our stuff, like a little bit below average and something is kind of up and down. Um, I don't really see anything. I was looking at it before I, I hopped on here and like, I, I don't, I, I would have to probably say, because it's still, this is his second season, correct? Yeah. Um, first like, full season. First yeah, full season. Yeah. And he's trending yeah. a little downwards from last year so far. Yeah. And it's a little bit like, I think with young players like this, they can bounce around a lot. And a lot of it has to do with how I think the organization and coaches deploy them and how they're utilized. Like, I think some of that stuff has a pretty big impact, which I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, full disclosure, watch every Rangers game. So I can't really speak to that. I know mm-hmm. that Capo is like, in his like he was definitely his sounded like from what I got from Rangers fans his first year was like really probably shouldn't have maybe been playing as much and was mm-hmm. not necessarily in the best role for for you know trying to succeed kind of thing all that all that stuff um I guess I can't really speak to it other than like just that Kako like, has kind of just been turned into like an okay defensive forward which has kind of been interesting to follow his trajectory and off near I don't just because he started, I think the other thing is that the last two seasons, not this one included, I, it's hard from a statistical standpoint to like evaluate the impacts of something like a global pandemic would have on a player. Right. So like these things are stuff that I I feel like have an impact on a young player who's now having to play in a bubble league, right? In like shortened season in this very stressful environment when, you know, they're young. That I think is maybe more of the thing that we might want to look at and can kind of take into account and see like after this season, is this something that when things kind of be, you know, start to become more total, you know, 82 game season, is that, do we see things in a, maybe a, a more clear way that doesn't have the impact of like the global, all of these things going on, on, on the, on the league. So while we're on Kako, I got to ask you something because I got into an argument with a listener of ours who actually happens to be a friend as well, <laughs> but it was a, it was a very heated argument uh, and I know he's going to be listening to this. Johnny so got want, real upset about it. Oh yeah. I know he's going to be listening to this. His name's Harrison. So I want to ask you, and there's no, you know, premeditated answer. I didn't know what you were going to say. So a lot of people in hockey talk about playing heavy. Everyone kind of has a different definition. My definition of playing heavy is being hard to knock off the puck, possessing the puck below the offensive goal line and creating plays, making plays, not turning the puck over. Other people consider playing heavy someone like Ryan Reeves who throws the body around, fights, like that kind of shit. To me, that's a grinder. That's not a heavy player. So I got into an argument with Harrison saying that Capo Caco is not a heavy player. I don't think he's very hard to knock off the puck, especially in the NHL. I know in juniors he was a heavy player, but he hasn't found that to his game yet. Would you consider him a heavy player from what you've seen? I I think that definition required me to uh, to have watched him more. Yeah, but you can say your definition as well. You know, I I would say I like I completely agree. My definition of his, I mean, again, as a wild player, like Nino Niederreiter, when he was in like the twenty, like mid twenty, like team, mm. like 2015, 2016, 2017 is kind of what I used to think of as like that kind of player. Is a player who a little bigger, but also like you don't have to be big to be able to kind of skate, you know, down like below the goal the goal line mm. and like control the the area and get shots in close because that's kind of like what. I think of as like the 
the one thing you want to watch for a player, I would say, is like how good are they at generating shots that are close yeah. to the net? Because that's essentially goal probability right there. Right? Brayden Point, dude. Brayden Point's a tiny yeah. guy. Heavy yeah, player. Exactly. Yeah, or Kaprizov isn't a big guy and he's yeah. able to get in really close, right? Like it just like that is what I think of as a heavy player. I think if, if by your definition, I'm going to kind of like just, I don't want to uh, add fuel to the fire in terms of. You can of disagree with me. It's okay. I I, I, no, I <laughs> it's more that I just don't really feel like I have a gauge on on, on Kaka because I just haven't watched him enough. And I, okay, that's fair. To say that I think some of it is that I would say from our statistical like stuff that I would not say that he is just based on the numbers. Suck um, it, Harrison. But, <laughs> but uh, also, I feel like there's a part of that definition that requires yeah. you to watch a player like that. Like I would For say, sure. like, Again, a wild player, but like Charlie Coyle was a player who was big. He was pretty good at like getting in close, but he, a lot of his results didn't lead to anything that was crazy good. Unlike mm-hmm. someone like Nina Ryder. Another, I mean, and, and so it's like, it kind of depends a little bit by that definition is I think you need to incorporate like how they play the game as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think, I think Zook's a heavy player. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I would say that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. And all right, so so I want to ask you a fun one here, and you got to use your imagination a little bit for this. So you're a GM, and you could build your core for the next five to seven years around one of the best centers in the league. Uh, I'm not going to include, you know, McDavid or, or any of those guys, but I'm going to include some really good guys here. So if you had to fuck, kill, and marry <laughs> these three players out, <laughs> out of Mika Zibanejad, Mark Shifley, or Elias Lindholm, who would you choose and why? And some further criteria here is if you're fucking the guy, you're signing <laughs> him, but then you can lose him over, you know, the the contract okay. like trade or anything like that. If you're marrying yeah. the guy, you're stuck with him the entire contract. Then obviously if you're killing the guy, you're just taking a pass on him. <laughs> <laughs> so to clarify, is this like, prime like peak mark shifley or is this current version mark shifley so this is so they're all around the same age right so mika and shifley are 28 and then lindholm's 27 so i'm gonna say right now let's just say they're all you know either in their prime or or one to two years in their prime so let's let's go with now and you're signing a six-year contract okay um that's tough. I like the I like the framework of Mary <laughs> around this in terms of a GM standpoint. Uh I think right now, I think probably that's a really, that's a really good question. Let me, let me just look at a couple things really quick. Um, I think that I'm probably marrying Lindholm. Okay. Wow. Wow. All right. But it's, it's tough. And then I think I'm probably killing Shifley. Wow. wow. Probably, okay. Wow. That's like the opposite of what we had. <laughs> okay. So, so me and Johnny talked about this a little. So I actually think I would marry Shifley also fuck Zibanejad and then kill off Lindholm. Uh, granted <laughs> they're all three fantastic players and they're yeah. all, you know, relatively similar in terms of their production and so on. I mean, they all have a different type of edge to their game and uh, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Johnny, what do you have? Well, yeah, for me, I, I hate to admit this because we are a Rangers podcast, but I was marrying Shifley and, and fucking Lindholm and killing Mika. I mean, for me, Mika's just way too streaky. You know, sometimes he's he's really, really hot. Other he's times hot, he's un, unreal. But the I other guys are just so much more consistent. Some of the, I think some of the, I'm a little biased here because Shifley has been so terribly, terrible defensively. So yeah, it's like, yeah, that's kind of my slant. You're absolutely right. They've been very similar players for the last like four or five years in terms of their overall value by our stuff. Right. And that's kind of, I think it's really like, I could more that Lindholm, I think has been more of the consistent player. Like he hasn't been, like you mentioned, like Zanajit had like 
like say in the you know his 1920 season with the rangers was like great really really yeah. right the last yeah. few seasons have not been particularly great although he's i think he's still um like maybe a little bit more I, I don't know. It's a, t- it's, they're very close. I think it's more that Lindholm has been the more consistent player and Shifley has been the player who I would call the, the weakest defensively. So from a center standpoint, if you're trying to like, where you're playing on, both ends, on yeah. that, it's, it's, that's kind of more of, I think what it is, but it's a, it's a tough, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I look at it as, as Mika's just my guy, but being non-biased, I look at it as, yeah, they are very similar players for me, Lindholm, He's a fantastic player, but I just see, even though he might be a little bit better defensively than uh, Shifley and even Zibanejad for that matter, he's not there in terms of offense, how the others are. So like, you know, Shifley's had multiple 80 point seasons, uh, Zibanejad's had multiple 70 and so on. And whereas Lindholm, I know he had that one really big season. I, I can't remember if it was 17 or 18 where he had 78 points. But then after that, he hasn't even top 55. So I guess in terms of like overall player that you're getting, Lindholm might be the most complete in that regard on on both ends and center. So yeah, I see, I definitely yeah. see both sides of it. That, that's kind of, I think that's where I'm, I'm coming from. I, I just think Shy, like, it's more I think about Shifley is that I just don't think he's the player that he used to be. Like he was like when he was in his, you know, 23, 24 age, like he was fantastic, but he's yeah. really just not been particularly great the last year or two. And I think in terms of projections, like that's not really a good, uh, especially from the defensive side, like you don't really want to kind of carry a guy who's just going to tank your, your team defensively. So Vanagin is more like, he's also like still been really good on the power play. I mean, Mm -hmm. at least from our stuff. And so like, that's still useful. I think from a center to have like kind of, you know, that kind of approach to it, but yeah, it's a, that's a tough one. Lindholm's just been, I think, consistent in terms of just overall. And I think you can maybe have a, a higher expectation that he'll continue to be that way where the other two are a little bit harder to kind of gauge and where they'll go. It's funny because Cody is like the numbers guy on here, and I'm 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 all eye tests pretty much. Okay. So you know you know for me like obviously I look at a guy like Shifley and, and I know he's minus sixteen this year, but I would I wouldn't have even like really pegged him as a terrible defensive player. But when I guess you look at his numbers, you know that that tells everything. Yeah. So it's, so. it's not been trending well, and I he I'd have to go and check. I don't want to speak too. I, I can't. I haven't. I didn't do a deep dive on Shifley before I came in here, yeah. so I can't remember. <laughs> For the Rangers but, podcast. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's yes. true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. And and talking about some uh, some big teams this year. Are there any teams you've been watching throughout the year? Because I know you mentioned you don't watch the Rangers that much, but I'm sure you watch the Wild a lot, and they're doing really well. Are there any teams that you've been watching that you're just thinking like, wow, come playoffs, this team is really going to be a problem and could potentially make that really deep run or even, you know, have a shot at the cup? I Yeah, there are a few. I hate to say it, and I know that I – well, it, it's maybe a curse. But, I mean, the Leafs just have been very, very good. But lately, Campbell is really concerning. Like, he's really fallen off. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say the Leafs also. I don't want to talk about the Leafs. I think the, one, <laughs> the other team that – uh, has really caught my eye has been the Flames. That's exactly think, what I, I was going to say. The, yeah. the home, I, I think, you know, I guess we're already on the topic, but the Flames have just been, in a lot of various ways, just been very, very good this year. Uh, and I think in terms of just like, uh, like they're, I guess they're more of like, a, I wasn't expecting them to be this good this year. I think they're over, they're like playing much better um, than we would have, that, that we projected coming into the season. And they've just been very surprising. And we've been watching, we're kind of like late night people and we're in the Midwest. So we tend to watch like some of right. the like West Coast games. So we've mm-hmm. watched, I've been watching some of the Flames games. Um, I think another team that's just been, I, it's maybe a little bit 
well, it, the, the Panthers offense this year has just been out of control. Like they, yeah. their offense is like kind of unseen that in the last like 10 years, I would say in terms of their team performance. Now they have some other not issues, but they're defensively, they're not like kind of there. Right. Um, but their offense is insane though. Yeah. And then the other one, I mean, this is just kind of boring at this point, but the avalanche are just like the avalanche yeah. just have like a really, really good team. I, that's they, you know, I, I think Kemper is coming back around a little bit and like, they've kind of, they have just so many good players and they, their, their forward group might, I don't know. It, I don't know if it's the best in the league, but it's, I think it's maybe the most well-rounded in the league. Um, so yeah. I, but I, I think in terms of just like the, you know, the cup favorites, I, I probably would, I, I, I mean, I still don't really want to like count Vegas out because they've just been so good. But I think they're, the, I think they're the favorite with, yeah, with Eichel I mean, too. Yeah. yeah. With Eichel. And then also it's like, but the only thing is that the, their cap issues are kind of concerning from a playoff. I mean, I know that once you're in the playoffs, there are some things that you can do, but also Mark stone has, has just been injured and he's been pro he's been their best player and right. he's kind of like what they rely on. And so if he is, has any kind of impact from the injury, I know that there's been, there's a lot of reporting about it and it doesn't seem like it's maybe no as known, but that's the reason why, I mean, Tampa also is still really good, but the flames and Panthers and avalanche are the ones, and I guess the Leafs too. I mean, I, I would be worried about the, like the Leafs just because of their, their goaltending a little bit, but um, cause they don't really have anything else to really kind of put in there. If Campbell isn't able to, you know, if say they did just like play him too much and ran him in the ground and then he isn't able to recover, like that's a pretty bad. And they also just in their division, that's a really tough, like kind of playoff um, playoff, like uh, I guess road, yeah. So they're going to have a very tough matchup and the, it's just hard coming out of that division. Yeah. Even, even the wild dude, the wilder, you know, you, I know yeah, you didn't I, mention them because you, you don't want to be sound modest, biased, but you yeah, to be yeah. Modest. exactly. <laughs> the wild, I, it's funny because the wild have for now, they've been one of the best, like just goal scoring teams in the league for two or three mm -hmm. years now, which is just their shooting percentage has just been absurd. A lot of that is like kind of, the fact that just Caprizov and Zuccarello have just been like absolutely, and now they have Matt Boldy, who's just yeah, like, he's been right insane. Yeah, started Rookie off the year, like, if you ask me. Oh, I, I mean, I think if he gets to the thing is that we've been kind of like small I, I've sample never, size. Yeah, I've never seen a rookie like that I can remember on our site start like have this kind of start that Matt Boldy's had. I think Pedersen is close, um, but like, and I think Pedersen may have had a better start. Like, but even I don't know, I can't think of a player who is so it's. If he gets to 40 plus games, I think I just because like and he still maintains his pace, I definitely think he's like for me, he would probably be a Calder pick for for me. But the Wild are interesting because I they um they I just think a team that relies on shooting percentage and doesn't necessarily have the shot at shot numbers to back it up, which is kind of the wild, is mm -hmm. a little bit of now they've been able to kind of hold this for a bit. So maybe it is sustainable. The other thing is I just am not too confident in Cam Talbot. So if they go, you know, if they go cocking in and that's who they ride, like, I think that's a, a better shot. He's been pretty good this year. Um, and I think if they can rely on that, the other thing is that their, um, their back end is not what kind of what it used to be. Spurgeon's getting a little older, although he's still very good. They still have an extremely good defensive group, but, or defenseman uh, core, I guess, defensive core, but yeah, the wild are, are good. I just think they also, well, I don't know. They're in the West. It's, it's yeah, a little bit is I'm not trying to be biased, but yeah, they, <laughs> it's okay. They, they're really fun to watch, but they also don't generate like the kind of quality chances that I think some of the other contenders do that are maybe right. a little bit more like sustainable and, and leads to future success is what I'll say. Yeah, that's, that's great. And uh, I know we're cutting close on time here. So if you don't mind, just like one more each. Yeah, no, no worries. Cool. All right. So speaking of the Calder, cause I know you had just mentioned that who's your pick for, you know, the heart, the Vesna, the Norris, the Jack Adams and the Calder. Every yeah, award, <laughs> every, every major award. Well, now, no. this is, 
uh, you kid, Luke and I love award picks. I mean, that's kind of been the thing we've been doing. I think one, I mean, it kind of comes for baseball a little bit because a lot of, some people don't really know, but a lot of the sabermetric stuff really got a foothold because it was, it was there to argue for hall of fame and, and award voting. Like that was kind of some of the early stuff it did was like argue, you know, arguing for players from the eighties who maybe had been overlooked and, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Did. So that's kind of in our foundation is where we do a lot of this stuff is that we like to use this for um, awards voting. I guess I'd, uh, I will quickly get up a, uh, we actually just did a, a, a thread on this. So I, I want to make sure that I'm not, um, but so it's, it's funny because in, in the past, um, we've gotten in trouble. I mean, this is our original, like kind of, I, again, I don't want to bring this up, but like the, a lot of people know us as the uh, dry side on the Chushkin people. Like that's, you know, like we get all of these, like, you know, like people <laughs> absolutely like, are like still hold on to that. We still get comments and replies and people on Reddit saying like, Oh, I don't trust these guys. They had this absurd take, which is not really true, but that's from us having hard picks like this. That's so great. Been, I think, um, I would have to go. I don't want to, I would say that again, it it's well, so it, it's for us, for us, it's good when the Leafs are good because we can say nice things and there's so many Leafs <laughs> fans that they just love it. But I honestly think that Matthews is still like our hard pick. I, I just think okay. that he's, he's been just so good this year, defensively, offensively, like he's been an absolute stud. I think that McDavid is kind of up there as well, but McDavid is, I mean, with Edmonton, they've just had a really, um, they just haven't really, it's not a good situation for a player like McDavid to really thrive and to be the number one player. Like, I think he's in the top five for heart. Um, I think right. after that, I think Randon and McCarr are like also in my heart kind of, kind of area uh, just with Colorado, which is funny to put both of them there, but that's kind of where um, I would say that they've been. I think the Norris is just, I, I still think it's, it's um, I, I still think it's McCarr's to lose. Like I, yeah, I just agreed. think he's just been out, of, out of control this year. Um, I don't really see really another defenseman like coming into the picture. I suppose that there's some, like, I, I know that Adam Fox has been having a pretty good year. Um, I also think like, you know, Victor Hedman is kind of bad. Like the, the thing I was going to say up front is that there, this in the past, we've gotten in trouble because some of our takes with our stats are, have been controversial or people don't know how we get there. But like this year, some of the picks by the stats are actually like really in line. And like, of course, yeah. Victor Hedman is going to be a Norris candidate and like this stuff kind of supports that, which is funny. Um, I think, uh, okay. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, Norris is, is Hedman and, or is, is McCarr. And then I think Hedman, um, I think, where did I say? Yeah, man, I think it's Matthews McDavid for Hart. I think like okay. maybe Rant and maybe McCarr, I think it's funny just because he's in the conversation for Hart as well. Uh, let's see. Um, not <laughs> Huberto. So Huberto has just not been good defensively from our stuff. Okay. And that takes it down. I, I, I don't, I know that some people, it's kind of controversial to say this, but and I know his points are really crazy this year, but um, from like the defensive side of things, I don't think he's yeah. in our top. Level. I was just like, going to say, I wish yeah. the league listened to your model. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the league, you know, not to be biased or anything, but I think they only go based on points. Usually. I mean, you can look yes. even back to the Dreisaitl and Panarin year where they went Leon instead, just cause he had more points and so on. So I feel like from that perspective, you know, if we're going based on that, like it could even be Leon again, he could run it back. Yeah. But yeah. Huberto is plus 23 on the year. Yeah, like I mean, Huberto yeah. looks great too. Yeah, it's it's mostly that when the, I think our stuff from the the standard plus minus stuff, we have, our approach doesn't really like discount some of the things the plus minus does. And there's there's a lot of team impacts that I think plus minus doesn't take into account just because right. it's a raw counting stat. So um, he, he, ha, he has been, well, a lot of that is just because he's been so good offensively, but he also is knocked down a little bit just because he doesn't have the defensive results that some of the other, like even, 
I, McDavid has not been particularly great defensively either, but he's just been also absurd offensively and mm-hmm. he's been good on both, you know, everything. So I think Huberto is maybe like probably top 10, I would say for us, but it's, okay. it's maybe not, maybe not the, in the top three that I would kind of generally consider. Um, okay. Selkie, uh, it's really boring again to say, but like, I, I mean, Bergeron is probably like, it's, it's just dumb to say, cause he's every year he's voted yeah. for and every most years. He's actually, I would say um, the last few. Capo Caco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that I wish that we could have that as a as as our selling pack. I really wish <laughs> one one day if that actually happens would be so fun. Um, I think some other players that are in the I would consider in the race for the the selkie is um, I like Matthews has just been like kind of the back yeah, he's end a, for the, yeah and defensively he's just like that's kind of he's kind of holding the team together defensively. I mean in a way like that's that's kind of what he is. But um, I think Sorelli is another player that we would Anthony probably Sorelli, have yeah he's selkie, good. And, and he's kind of in that now like. I don't want to say like Barkov type where, you know, kind of the new Bergeron or whatever, but Sorelli right. has now been such a good defensive forward for so long that I think he, um, he's definitely been in that, uh, in that group as well. I'm just trying to think if they're, oh, and then I have to say Lekkanen for Montreal, which is just a funny one, but Arturi Lekkanen has been fantastic. Lekkanen's my boy. I like to hear that. <laughs> my friend, my friends make fun of me because I want him on the Rangers. Well, and we, we went over this on our podcast, but I, I think he's kind of like a trade target, I think. And I think a smart teams would be going after Lekkanen. Yeah. To be honest. He's yeah. a really good third line, like uh, addition to a team that wants to shore up some defensive stuff. He's just been very good. Um, he's pretty young still, not a huge contract. So it's, you know, I, I think those are probably my three or four, like kind of Selkie. And then, Vezina. I yeah. And then Vesna, I guess I'll say Calder. We already talked about this. I mean, I, I know I don't want to debate this. Bunting has been very good for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. I hate talking about the Leafs, but uh, it's, he's, but I think outside of that, Seth Jarvis uh, is probably the, oh, the yeah. He's, yeah. That's a good pick. That, and then I honestly think like if Boldy keeps playing like this, like he's in the conversation, like, and then Vesna, I don't think it's close. Shesterkin is just the number Love one. Love to hear that. I mean, like, like th- we haven't talked about the Rangers, like from a team build, but that's the entire Rangers team. In my opinion is, is yeah. just like, it's their goaltending. Like it's mm-hmm. always been when Lundqvist was on the team. Like that's kind of what it's funny that this is the makeup again, but I mean, he has just been out of control this year. Good for the Rangers. And I don't think it's really that close to be honest. I think that, after that, like Freddie Anderson for the Canes has been really, really good. Um, and I honestly think like, like, I think maybe Soros is like maybe another one that I would probably yes. have. Yeah. He's three. been, yeah. He's um, been great too. But I, yeah, I think that it kind of changes. We like to wait until the end of the season, obviously, but it's right. fun to do things mid season. And, and so we'll have to see how things kind of, uh, you know, um, how things kind of turn out by the end of the season. Love it. Love it. And Johnny, did you have anything else to add? Yeah, my final question, and I'll tie it to baseball also. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of controversy back in the 2020 World Series when the Rays took out, I think it's Blake Snell, right? Blake? Yep. Yeah. Yep. They took out Snell on like the, you know, seventh inning or whatever because analytics said that was the right thing to do. They're up one yeah. nothing. The Dodgers end up winning the game. So, honestly, it's, it's funny because Minnesota is one of those teams that have been riding two goalies all year, Talbot and, Lech, and uh, Kokkinen. Yeah, so, yeah. do you think we're going to get to a point? And I know Gallant, there's a lot of Ranger fans who hate when Gallant decides to go with Georgiev in certain spots. So, do you think we're getting to a spot where, you know, obviously we saw Vasilevsky dominate the playoffs the last two years, but it's going to be a one-two punch and, you know, maybe, you know, Kokkinen starts game one and two, but he's not good on the road. So, Talbot starts game three and four. Like, is that where we're kind of headed in hockey analytically? That's a really good question that I, I hadn't really like Thank not you. a lot of people have asked, all, <laughs> but it is, I think that's something that um, like just workload for goalies and, and how you manage your, you know, your A and B or you're starting to backup goalie because there, every goalie can't usually play the amount of games that like Vasilevsky does. Right. Yeah. Or that historically other goalies have been able to play like, um, and I, I think that it's, it's, 
like the, the Wilder are a really good example of a team that have like, you know, they have a, a you know, even though Talbot was an all-star, I don't think he was even close to being considered. He shouldn't have been, in my opinion. I, I think Talbot should have been the pick from, Win from Winnipeg. And I, I just think that um, the Wild have a really unique situation because they have been riding both of them pretty on and off. Like, and I think that's something that I don't, in the playoffs things, it's hard to look at these from a playoff scenario. And a lot of times, a lot of our work is done on the regular season, just because it's, it's a longer scenario. It's a longer situation. We have more observations. We can be more confident about our, um, you know, the way that we evaluate players in, in kind of the regular season, just because we have more, uh, we have more data for that. The playoffs are just, especially with goaltending, it's I, like, you could ride the same goalie for every single game and do that with the same goalie and repeat it a hundred times and get such wild differences in terms of that seven game outcome that I don't know if we could really say what's better or what's worse. I do think though, that workload, especially for, for goalies who've been playing a lot is something to consider in the playoffs specifically. Um, I know the playoffs are a different environment, but also like with playoff overtime and like the amount of added workload with, with those things as well, potentially, I think it's a really good thing to potentially look at and evaluate from your individual goalies. Um, I, I can't say that, like there's a clear right answer to that, but I think yeah. that it is something that I could start to see to see coaches and organizations going more towards is an actual true one, one, two split between goalies and actually carrying that into the playoffs seems like something that would make like perfect sense in a, the right situation. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota and Boston are the teams that kind of stand out to me as far as the one, two punch. I mean, like, yeah. you know, Ranger fans would be fucking pissed if your started a playoff game, but <laughs> yeah. if you want the to be sustainable, he can't play every game, you know? Yes. Like, yeah. And I mean, he's been good. I, I think that it's, it is something that you want to consider also like from the home away, like those kind of things as well as like, and also about it's, there's also some about some because, because we are in small samples here, I think some evaluation of how the individual goalies do on the road versus home and like they're yeah. almost their mindset and like, like things around in the environment are something to consider as well. So yeah, totally. I was going to say one stupid comment. Sorry, Cody, just one thing. But if like, no, if I'm good. Gerard Gallant, if I'm Gerard Gallant and the Rangers in the first round playoff series and we go up two nothing, I might start your in game three. I might like, I might start him in game three. I don't, it's, it's a really stupid, now. really stupid <laughs> opinion. I'm probably going to get shit on for this, but like, you know, when I do think about sustainability, when you have that comfort a little bit, I know you want to put teams away, but what is there to lose really if you give them game three up to nothing you know i, I don't know maybe it's it's i don't know losing i'm sure six. i'll get shit on that that's what it is <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'll get losing at six exactly yeah i'll probably get some backlash on that one but i don't know i think it's just oh, the man. way the future is going to be i mean i think a lot of it has to do with like workload and like where the goalies are at like and what the situation is for each team it's very specific and and i think like the wild for instance have been like and i I don't feel like it's not the same with, with the Rangers because you're sort of yeah. playing a lot, but yeah. like the Wild are definitely a team where it wouldn't be, I don't think, because a, a lot of it is how the team also responds to the various goalies and how they play in front of the goalie too, specifically in, in games where I we used to watch this the wild, but like, it's just like, I, I feel like skaters do play a little different in high leverage situations. If they, they say they have a different yeah. goalie that maybe are not as confident in, but the wild are a situation. And I think maybe like you mentioned Boston, but, that they had, they really just have been playing both goalies kind of randomly, like yeah. in, in an equal number. And like, it wouldn't be that weird for the wild to do that. Like say it's, say it's even one, one. And they, they had started Talbot the first two games, like going, you know, Kak, you know, Kakin in, in game three, or if like, it's the reverse or whatever. I mean, I could see the wild doing either one and the team plays kind of the same in front. So it's very specific to the situation, I think. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Well, listen, man, this was awesome, Josh. And thanks so much for jumping on. Uh, before we go, is there anything you wanted to plug for the listeners? 
Well, thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. Uh, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, we just if you want to check out our site, uh, it's evolving-hockey.com. We have a bunch of statistics and projections and models and player evaluation tools, all of these things. Um, and you can become a subscriber if you want it. Just add a slash login to the URL or click on the subscribe button on the on the on the page. Um, we also are on Twitter at Evolving Wild and Evolving Hockey. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else coming up. We're kind of in like starting to get into like the um, season where we need to do a lot of work to get stuff ready for next season already, which is kind of yeah. funny. That's just how it works. So that's we're going to be doing some work here. Um, we may or may not have a couple articles coming up in the next month on our site. Those will just be on the homepage. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't I don't know if it's all right to plug our podcast, but we yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Man, <laughs> so for it. If you're interested in listening to just my brother and I and and uh, um and our uh, and, and Sean Ferris, who's uh, kind of our co I guess our co-host on that, uh, check out the Evolving Hockey Podcast, which is on anything you know anywhere that you can find a find uh, your podcast. So yeah, thanks so much for having me. Awesome, thanks so much, man. Yeah, Josh, thank you, appreciate it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.